Hi there, it's Aaron. Thanks again for tuning into The Dispatch. If you love the show, tell a friend, tell an auntie. We're at Outline Dispatch on Twitter, and you can find me at Aaron M. Edwards. If you have any feedback at all, you can also send me an email. I'm Aaron at theoutline.com. Also, if you want to bring us into your home, we have a skill on the Amazon Alexa. Just search in the Alexa app for The Outline. All right, thank you, and enjoy the show. The mineral tablets are emptied into a hopper and then are fed into automatic counters. The, com- the Outline World Dispatch. Every Monday through Thursday, we bring you a story on the theme of power, culture, or the future, handpicked from theoutline.com. Today on the show, Cambridge Analytica, Facebook, we are going to break it down for you in under two minutes. Once you're done listening, it will all make so much more sense, I promise. Let's get right into it. The future. Here at The Outline, we have a lot of big news stories that are thrown at us. And a lot of times, I wonder if I should even care about this. But sometimes there are topics I'm just like, I'm so far away from it. I don't really know anything about it. Why should I care? So today in the studio, we have the editor of the future section, Casey Johnston, who is here to explain to me the Cambridge Analytica situation. And I thought it would be fun. In two minutes or less... You have to convince me why I should care about Cambridge Analytica. And I'm going to time you. Does that sound cool? Oh, my God. It doesn't sound cool at all, but (laughs) I I am game to, like, give this a shot. Casey, you look so focused. I'm like, what's the most important thing about this story? What if I do it in less than two minutes? Would you be so impressed? I would be very impressed. I would be like, you are the queen of complicated topics. I can't wait. See, like, I'm a a type A overachiever, so, like, I'm not, I'm not like, how can I do it in two minutes? I'm like, how can I do it, like, 30 seconds? Right, right. Just blow you out of the water. This is what I appreciate about you, Casey. (laughs) This is why I think that you are the best person to, okay, I'm going to put two minutes on the clock. Two minutes. When I say go. You just jump into it. Okay. 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 So two minutes starting in three, two, one, go. Okay. So Cambridge Analytica, as an entity, I want to say is sort of a red herring in the whole thing. So the core of the issue is that Facebook has all of your data. It knows everything on Facebook that you've ever liked. Totally. Any message that you've ever sent anytime your cursor has hovered like over your crush's picture in a loving way. Yes. It knows everything. Uh-huh. So that all of that data is accessible to many third parties. That could be anyone anyone who makes an app, anyone who acts who can access the sort of like Facebook backend. If you just make an app that you get people to download and use, you can access that data. One minute and fifteen seconds. Okay. Left. So <laughs> you're you're a person, you make an app, you put it out there and say like, hey, this like crazy quiz app, you can use it. You can just like sort of draw down millions of people's data. One minute, one minute. I'm not I'm not sold yet, Casey. <laughs> so <laughs> now this person who makes this app has all of your data. And it's not policed what they can do with it. Like, Facebook has policies about what you can do with it, but it can go anywhere. They can give it to—they could, like, sell it directly to Trump if they wanted to. That's against Facebook's rules, but Facebook has no sort of infrastructure to prevent it. 34 seconds. So— <laughs> <laughs> So, the problem is that there's just nothing 
keeping your data private from anyone, really. All of your data is out there. People have it. And they can market to you however they want. They know everything about you. And you have no control over that. Ten seconds. Anything else? Fuck. Uh... I don't know. I think I think that's it's like if Three, I can't if <laughs> two, one, and that's it. Normally, when one does this, it's like actually it's fake, real. But that was real, real. That was real, real. <laughs> well, I think that it was, this is an interesting story to apply to this to this model because it is pretty complicated. I, I kind of want to get into it now with the nuance that I think the topic deserves. Okay. You wrote a piece for The Outline a little while ago that was titled, Cambridge Analytica's leak shouldn't surprise you, but it should scare you. And you kind of go into the whole issue, why it's important, and, you know, why it's something that was kind of bound to happen eventually. Mm -hmm. It is a company that was started, uh, Steve Bannon is one of the founders, and it was started to collect and manipulate data about voters. The data from Facebook is just about the cost of it. That data is out there. It's a marketplace for your data. It's bought and sold every day. Yeah, but the people it's didn't bought. know it was being leaked. That, that's, the, that's, 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 a different, that's the issue between Cambridge, the professor, and Facebook. Voter profiling goes way, way back before personal computers, but like their goal was to take data from many sources and construct what they called psychographic profiles of voters and try and use that to flip them to their side, to whatever side it was that they were supporting. In this case, it was Trump, but like Cambridge Analytica, I think it's turning out, has worked on a lot of different elections. And what platforms or apps were being used to capture that data? There's Facebook, obviously. Cambridge Analytica received data from this academic researcher who amassed millions of people's data from just by making a Facebook app. He gave that to Cambridge Analytica. But you can also get it from like doing old fashioned landline surveys, just calling people and being like, what do you think of Obama? Right. And then that becomes like that's attached to your phone number, which can then be referenced back to a database of your phone number can be connected to your address, can be connected to your name, can be connected to your like, I don't know, probably your social security number somewhere down the line. And then they know exactly what you think of whatever it is they asked you that can be connected to your Facebook profile. And then they know someone who thinks Obama is like a four out of five also has liked Game of Thrones on Facebook. So maybe if we like target Game of Thrones users, we can sort of down convert them from being liberals to being conservatives. Like some, like right. that's a silly example, but that's like the idea behind the whole thing. The Federal Trade Commission confirmed Monday that it is investigating the company's protocols. The news comes about a week after reports that Facebook mishandled the data of around 50 million users. That information had been collected through an app on Facebook starting in 2013 and was then used by data mining firm Cambridge Analytica during the 2016 election. What stoked the core of the controversy around this? I think a lot of the controversy that was stirred up around it missed the mark a little bit about what was actually bad. Like the first couple of stories from The Times and The Guardian referred to this whole incident as a quote-unquote breach of Facebook's data ecosystem. The incident being that it was revealed that they had 
access to all this that, data. That, yeah, that Cambridge Analytica had been able to basically just take this data set from this researcher, not even by force, like that he gave it to them, and that they were then able to integrate it into this whole operation. But Facebook has policies against this, but not any sort of infrastructure that prevents it. Someone inside the company, inside Cambridge Analytica, Christopher Wiley, had to decide this is wrong and people need to know and go to like a news outlet and explain (laughs) what it is that happened. After Donald Trump got inaugurated, very shortly after that, that's when I started working with uh, Carol at The Guardian on, on reporting and reporting some of the things that the, that, that the company was doing. So for the first, for the spring, I was one of her key sources anonymously until we could figure out a legal position that would then allow me to come forward. So if I'm getting it correctly then, the, the issue was multifaceted. And one of them was that when it was revealed or came to light that Cambridge Analytica, this company with this very wonky name that I still to this day don't really fully understand <laughs> what it means, was able to very easily get data sets from Facebook mm-hmm. and use it to basically build the core of what their company was, which was this operation that could be used to manipulate or affect the minds of people across the world using this platform. Yes, correct. Should people be concerned about their own personal data after this or their own profile of themselves if they use Facebook? It it sort of depends a little bit on what you put into Facebook, but at the same time, Facebook is so much more than like what you do literally on Facebook. Like any, any web page that has a like button on it, the fact of you going to that page and like things you do on that page, that all gets lumped back into Facebook's like information about you. I don't know that it's like something that developers necessarily have access to, but Facebook has just such a massive trove of data. That's stuff that you do and don't do on Facebook. So there should be some concern that Facebook collects this information with impunity and that there is no sort of control mechanism on the back end other than Facebook saying, don't do this, don't give this data away, don't use it for these purposes. And they just have no way of keeping track of it once it leaves their servers and it's on someone else's server. It's like, you don't know where it goes. Right. But then Facebook also sells this data. That is sort of the bigger concern. Like, I I always think marketing is like a bigger concern of how our data is being used. And it's like similarly shady, similarly like, it's so, it's hard to like make it concrete to people why, like what that even looks like because it happens on such a huge scale totally out of our eyesight that like you put something into the world by just like using the internet and it comes back to you somewhere in the form of like ads or like the interest rate you get on a loan application and you have no idea that those things are related but at this point they almost certainly are. Were there any repercussions and like what was Facebook's response to all this? Facebook has I think it's like a quiet it must be like like insane inside Facebook right now. Like, I'm sure they're panicking. I want to start with just a basic question, Mark. What happened? What went wrong? So this was a major breach of trust. And and I'm really sorry that this happened. The response was to sort of push Mark Zuckerberg out to the forefront to be like, I'm so I'm so sorry that this happened. They plan on trying to crack down and like they've talked about doing an audit of 
apps that have collected their data. To restrict the amount of access that the developers can get going forward. To see, like, what's happened with it and where it's gone. Facebook's reaction has been trying to sort of do a PR spin on it and say, this wasn't us, we're just as in the dark as you are. But I think that this was clearly a mistake in retrospect. Was it putting too much trust in developers? I I mean, I think it, it did. And to sort of point people back to their privacy settings, which is something they do always in a time of crisis, they'll be like, by the way, you have privacy settings and you should use them. And it's like, that's not even remotely going to help. People should know um, who is buying the ads uh, that they see on Facebook. And you should be able to go to any page and see all the ads that people are running to different audiences. I want to zoom in a little bit on you. Sure. And your experience covering these things. You ended your piece on this note. I've written about privacy issues on and off throughout my career, and I'd like to think if I were better at it, people would care by now. But it's profoundly difficult to get any normal person properly riled about it because there is nothing to point to that shows them what the troves of personal data held by businesses and marketing companies can do. And I'm curious about what that tension has been like for you as someone covering these things and how you even navigate starting to write about them or starting to try to unpack them because publications are going to be the places that help people understand what's going on and uh, without that, it's going to be Mark Zuckerberg on CNN kind of sweating through an interview. Right, so, yeah. And that's I mean, not sufficient. <laughs> it's hard. It's it's really hard because, like, I have been so galaxy brain or, like, cosmic brain about privacy stuff for so long. My first job was working at Ars Technica where I started covering privacy stuff and specifically Facebook, like, day-to-day back in, like, 2012. So... I've been on this beat for a while, and it's hard for me to even, like, I'm continually surprised by this news cycle what it seems like people still don't know. Like, there was a story in USA Today where people who are, like, fleeing Facebook and going to Instagram, and Instagram is owned by Facebook. So it's like people don't even grasp the most basic things about, like, how to protect themselves or, like, what Facebook knows or where Facebook is or it's it's really just not a like literacy that the average person has, and I feel almost out of touch with it, which is bad, and sort of frustrated by the fact that I I am so worked up about this, but like no one else is. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's so hard to get people to understand like what is going on or like what the sort of potential is, and that the potential of the situation is real. There was a story that was originally, it was like a New York Times magazine story, but it opened with an anecdote about a family that started getting delivered coupons from Target for baby stuff. And the family had a 17-year-old girl and the girl was pregnant, but her parents didn't know. I don't don't remember if she was 17, but it was like a young girl who was like, it was a surprise she was pregnant. Her parents didn't know, but they were like, why are we getting baby coupons? And then it turned out is because like, she had bought a pregnancy test or something like that. I think I'm, like, ascribing more details to this than actually are in the story, but it was, like, something like that where the fact of sort of consumer data had anticipated her eventual need for, I don't know, a stroller or whatever, so they were sending her coupons for it. And it's, like, things happen that way now, and it doesn't even sort of come to our mind that it's because of what we're sort of putting out there in the world with our information or like who has access to that information and who can sort of 
lump it all together and almost know you better than you know yourself. Right. So just like our little two-minute experiment was <laughs> was really a challenge, not to diminish it into too concise of a response, but if I'm someone who is navigating all this stuff happening right now and I'm trying to get a better hand on my personal data and how I interact with the internet and with Facebook and other places, what is your recommendation for people as they are thinking about how the things that they do online impact where their information goes? I mean, it's very hard to have any sort of personal impact on this now, especially since it's been going on for the better part of a decade that, like, even if you were to try and take steps to protect yourself now, it's like that data has been put out there. It's been amassed by all of these different enormous companies, and they know you, and you're not – if you, like, delete Facebook now, that's not going to really move the needle. Insofar as personal action, if you wanted to take personal action on this, my recommendation would be to push for policy change on how data is used and how – what companies are allowed to keep, what they're allowed to know, how they're allowed to use it, what they're allowed to share with each other, and just how it should be protected. Like, this sounds scope-wise almost impossible, but at the same time, it's like Europe is about to enact this whole batch of policy that is helping people with data protection and prevents companies like Facebook and Google from, like, keeping too much information on them and using it in ways that are not even that they shouldn't be, but just that are that people aren't even aware of. It's hard for like I can't. It'd be nice if there were an easy answer that was just like, oh, delete Facebook, delete Instagram, and like go live in the woods. <laughs> it's never that easy. <laughs> but you'll still get the Target coupons. So right. <laughs> if you told me in 2004 when I was getting started with Facebook that a big part of my responsibility today would be to help protect the integrity of elections against interference by other governments, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have really believed that that was going to be something that, that I would have to work on 14 years later. I'm going to challenge we're, you. We're here now. I'm going to challenge you. Have and you done it? we're going to make sure that we do a good job. Have you done a good enough job yet? Um, well, I, I think we will see. All right. Well, thanks, Casey. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to The Dispatch. We're produced by James T. Green. I'm Aaron Edwards. Until next time. <laughs>